morning, everyone. Good morning. How are we doing? Good day to be in the house of the Lord always. Amen. This morning we are continuing our series called No Turning Back. And one of the things we've been continuing to learn, but before I get into that, we just go through a few things. I want to let you know, I don't know if you saw it on the board, but our Hope Restored was able to give $1,794.58. To Wings of Calvary. I think it's a great thing in helping families in crisis here in our area and our community. And uh, so we're continuing to see God use the store, not only as people are getting to know us and walking into the store, but um, also giving back to our community. And this month we're going to support the Cape Cod Military Support Foundation. And this organization does a lot of work with uh, both our active military as well as veterans and their families. And so we want to, you know, as a way to celebrate the birth of our nation, I think it's a great way to give uh, to our military and those that are continuing to sacrifice so that we can be free. And so that's this month. We're giving all profits there. And the very first, pretty much the first week of this month, we already have all of our, um, all of our, what's the word I'm looking for? Awesome. All of our costs. Covered. Overhead. So now everything else is going toward the Cape Cod Military Support Foundation. I also want to let you know, if you have a connection, you'll see connection cards right in front of you, and you'll find in there uh, both a couple of things. If you're a visitor or you're a guest with us this morning, we would like you to take a few moments to fill that out, and you can drop it in right in the offering box as you're walking out this, the front door. And also, if you're someone who has a prayer request that you would like us to know, there's a couple of boxes on there for you to fill out where you can write out your prayer request, but also let us know, is this a request that can go out to our entire team, or is this just for our team and keep it confidential? And we want to be able to pray for you and pray with you over the things that you're praying for. We're beginning to see quite a few answers of prayer on our Wednesday nights. So uh, keep those prayer requests coming in. We are praying over them every week. We're bringing them in and praying over them. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that and to put those requests in. And uh, so I just want to encourage you also to come out on Wednesday night and pray with us over those requests as we continue to seek the Lord together and allow God to speak in and through us. Now last week we learned about trusting God in the waiting seasons. Trusting God in the waiting seasons. <clears throat> if there's anybody in a waiting season today, you know what it's like. And it's, it's difficult because we don't like to wait. But today we're going to get a sneak peek at the process of redemption, as this part of the Ruth story unfolds, because it's a foreshadowing of the redemption that we see in the New Testament, in Jesus Christ. There's a picture there. And this is a redemption where we find ourselves in the story, where we begin to match our stories with what God is doing. Now, in his book, The Cure for the Common Life, Max Lucado gives a great demonstration of redemption and how it has given even before we knew we needed it. How that redemption was given even before we needed it. He says, the bank sent me an overdraft notice on the checking account of one of my daughters. I encourage my college-age girls to monitor their accounts, and even so, they sometimes overspend. What should I do? Send, send her an angry letter. <coughs> Admonition might help her later, but it won't satisfy the bank. Phone and tell her to make a deposit? Might as well tell a fish to fly. I know her liquidity, zero. Transfer the money from my account to hers? That seemed to be the best option. 
After all, I had $25.37. I could replenish her account and pay the overdraft fee as well. Since she calls me dad, I did what dads do. I covered my daughter's mistake. When I told her she was overdrawn, she said she was sorry. Still, she offered no deposit because she was broke. She had one option. So she said, Dad, could you? Honey, I interrupted. I already have. I met her need before she knew that she had one. Long before you needed grace, long before you needed redemption, your father did the same. Amen. He made an ample deposit. And before you knew you needed a savior, you had one. And when you ask him for mercy, he answers, dear child, I've already given it. Redemption. A savior. This is what Ruth needs right now in her situation. This is what Naomi needs right now in her situation. And as we'll see today, we'll also see that we also need that same redemption. <laughs> we need that same salvation. All throughout scripture so far, as we've been going through the book of Ruth, we've seen love find a way. Despite the obstacles, despite the challenges that have happened, love found a way to continue to work through those situations. Ruth's love for Naomi kept her with Naomi as she traveled back home. Ruth's love for God. She said, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And we know that the story of Ruth opens with three funerals. And with each step forward, with each chapter, with each verse, we get one step closer to a wedding. Maybe a good title for a movie, The Book of Birth, Three Funerals and a Wedding. <laughs> See, we left off last week with one more obstacle to overcome. See, the waiting reminds us that God, our kinsman redeemer, is working things out. Even when we don't see that he's working them out. Even when we don't understand exactly what he's doing in the moment. It reminds us that God is the author of our lives and that he writes the last chapter. In Leviticus, there's a section written in the law that allowed for redemption of land. Land that can be purchased back if the person who sold it later has means to, or possibly a family member, a close family member, what we know as the kinsman redeemer, is able to purchase that land back. In Leviticus chapter 5, verses 23 through 27, it gives us some instruction as to how this is to happen. It says, the land must never be sold on a permanent basis, for the land belongs to me. You are only foreigners and tenant farmers working for me. With every purchase of land, you must grant the seller the right to buy it back. If one of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty and is forced to sell some family land, then a close relative should buy it back for him. If there is no close relative to buy the land, but the person who sold it gets enough money to buy it back, he then has the right to get it from the one who bought it. The purpose of this law was to preserve and to protect families. You see, the word of God, the law that was passed down from God to Moses to the people of Israel informed them that the land that they occupied is not their land. In fact, it is God's land and continues to be God's land. He is the actual owner of that land. And he did not want people to be exploited by the wealthy who would take advantage of the poor and the widows. So they had something called the year of Jubilee. And every 50 years, 
people would give their property back to the original owners and cancel all debts. So the purchase of a property, in particular, was based on the years left until Jubilee. So that was the purchase price of that property. So here we have this situation of kinsman redeemer. We have Boaz, but we know, according to what we've already read, that Boaz is not the closest relative. But there's a couple of things that we need, or that you need, to be a kinsman redeemer. There's a couple of things that Boaz needed in order to be a kinsman redeemer. Three things had to be in order. The first thing that had to be in order is that he had to be the nearest relative. Well, we see that he was not the nearest relative, but he was the next closest in line. I'm not sure exactly how far that went down. You know, does it go from one person to second to third, fourth, fifth, and, you know, we get down to the 12th generation or 12th group of, you know, closest relative? I don't know. But what we know here is that Boaz is not the nearest. There's another man that's nearest relative. But he was next in line. So you have to be the nearest relative. We're going to pass it down for the next one. You also have to be able to pay the price of redemption. You had to be able to pay the redemption price, whatever it was going to be. Now we know that Boaz had the means necessary to pay the price and to redeem this property for Ruth and Naomi. Because we know that there would be no redemption if there was no price paid. If he didn't have the money, if he didn't have the means to pay the redemption price, there is no redemption. And the third thing is you had to be willing to redeem it. We'll see in the story that the man who was nearest to Ruth and Naomi did not have the money to redeem. Or actually, he did have the money, but he did not have the will to redeem. So keep these factors in mind as we're reading this story. Had to be the nearest relative had to be able to pay the redemption price, and had to be willing to redeem. Ruth chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. says, Boaz went to the town gate and took a seat there. Just then the family redeemer he had mentioned came by, so Boaz called out to him, Come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called the ten leaders from town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, You know Naomi, who came back from Moab? She is selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right now, right away, because I am the next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, All right, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz told him, of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. And I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot do it. So here we have this man that gave up his right to redeem this property. And I think Boaz probably gave a huge sigh of relief as he was hoping that that would be the case. It's interesting how he left it out to the end. Oh, you want to buy the land? Great. It's a great land. You should move here and do all your farming there. You're going to get all kinds of crops from it. Oh, and by the way, and by the way, you must marry 
awesome. But this is the result he was hoping for, and he did it. He did exactly what he had promised to Ruth and Naomi. In the waiting, as they waited, he was in the background working. Again, our picture of what God does in our lives. We may be in the waiting season of our lives, and there may be things happening that we don't understand or know, but we trust that in the background, he's doing something. Even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. You see, he did what he promised Ruth and Naomi that he would do. He took care of the situation. He took care of them. You see, redemption, the idea of being redeemed, is actually a great picture of the gospel. It's a basis for our gospel. The gospel is called good news because it is something we want to share with other people. The gospel should continue to be preached in every week, in every church, in every life, every day. We should never allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to get old because it is fresh and not stale. It is good news and not bad. It is water to the thirsty soul, forgiveness for the beaten down and the ashamed. It's a new start. And we continue to live out the gospel in our lives, even when we mess up. Even when we fail. The gospel is just as true for us today as it was the first day that we accepted Christ. Amen. And we continue to live in the reality of the gospel in our lives. And we see that Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. In the same relationship that Boaz had with Naomi and Boaz, we see that with Naomi and Ruth, we see the Redeemer taking his place. The Redeemer working things out in the background that they don't see. Their trust that they put in the Redeemer. And now we see the deal. Now we see what's happening with the Redeemer. And Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. He was our nearest relative. As the Son of God, He came and He took on flesh and He lived among us. We're the first people of earth with Adam and Eve. We're the first Adam failed. Jesus Christ became the second Adam. So that He would not fail. Where Adam brought sin into the world, Jesus became the second Adam. He gave us the ability to overcome sin. The ability to be forgiven. The ability to be cleansed. Jesus Christ lived without sin. Because of what he did on the cross, we all can become children of God. So Jesus Christ is our Redeemer because he was our nearest relative and he was able to pay the price. And he did pay the price. He has the resources to set us free from sin and from bondage and from the things that continually hold us back. From the things that we're ashamed of in our past. Only the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the spotless Lamb, the one without sin, could die as a sacrifice for our sins. 1 Peter 1, 18-19 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. You see, we've been redeemed. We've been ransomed. 
by the blood of Jesus Christ that we sang about this morning. By the blood of Christ the Lamb. Praise God. You just go, just ask God. You've been redeemed. Sing another song. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We should be celebrating that redemption each and every day. What God has done for us. Praising Him for our guilt and sin. I think sometimes we forget what we've done in our past, and so it's easy to sit and judge everybody else, sit and judge others. But that we remember what Christ has done for us, and what He brought us from, and where we used to be, and where we are today. It's easy to forget those things. But He's redeemed us. Hebrews 9.12 says, With His own blood, not the blood of goats or calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption for how long? How forever. Long? He secured our redemption forever. He secured our redemption. Let that sink in for a moment. He secured our redemption forever. He turned it. See, our redemption has been secured. It is a done deal. The transaction has taken place. The blood has been shed. The deal has been made. We need to walk in that kind of a confidence of, of the work of Christ in our lives because he has redeemed us. He has made us new. We need to walk in the confidence knowing that God paid the price for us because of his love. And this is the reason we should be excited about the gospel. This is the reason why we should be excited about redemption. Because we see ourselves in that. We see ourselves as the ones that, that have accepted Christ, that offering that he has given us. We see ourselves as those that are forgiven. And what's that word? He has secured our redemption forever. He secured our redemption. We don't have to pay for it. There's nothing that we can do to pay for. And Jesus is our Redeemer because he was our nearest relative. He was able to pay the redemption price, and he was willing to redeem us. John chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. says, For this is how God so loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. See, not only was he willing, he did what he promised he would do. He sent the Messiah. He sent the Messiah that would become the sacrificial lamb. It would be the one that would be sacrificed for our sin. The Messiah that would save the world from sin. And what was his motivation? For God so loved now, when I say love the world, I want to be very particular. Because you might read that literally. Well, he loved the planet. But the reality is, he loved the people of the world. Amen. People that were made in his image. People that were created a model day in his image. And because of his love for people, let's be more specific. Because of his love for you, more specific since I'm speaking. Because of his love for me, he gave his son. He was willing to give 
what was necessary to redeem us. Out of love. That was his motivation. You see, Jesus paid the price that we could not pay. We were caught up in our sin, and we could not save ourselves. He paid the price for our redemption so that we could go free. No longer in bondage to sin that holds us down. He paid the price motivated by his love for us. He was willing and able to die so that we could be set free. So that we could be redeemed. Because the price has been paid, we need to walk in that confidence knowing that our sin has been paid for. That sin that you confessed, that sin that you've been forgiven for, it's time to stop beating yourself up over it. The price has been paid. The Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive our sin when we ask. We were wanted, we were loved, and we were purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Like Boaz, Jesus was not concerned about his own inheritance. See, we share in his inheritance as the children of God. Like Boaz, Jesus made his plan, but paid the price publicly. Like Boaz, Jesus' motivation was love for his bride, love for you, love for me, love for his church. I heard a story about redemption by a pastor named Mark Griffin. He tells of this lost dog sign that he saw. He says, I saw a sign once that I love. A lost dog sign. There was a big cash reward for whoever found this lost dog and the description of the dog. It said, he's only got three legs. He's blind in the left eye. He's missing a right ear. His tail has been broken off. He was neutered accidentally by a fence. Ouch. He's almost dead, and he answers by the name Lucky. <laughs> Doesn't sound so lucky to me. He's been a whole lot of mess. But he's lucky because his owner, who loves him, continues to look for him. Because his owner, who loves him, wants him back. See, that's what redemption is all about. Though we may be a mess, our redemption it's about an owner who wants us back. Mess and all. Just as we are. And he has already paid the reward for our return. He's already paid the price. Let's pray this morning. Father, as we come into your presence here in this place, as we recognize the way that you're working in our lives, as we celebrate your redemption for us, your redemption of us, your forgiveness in our lives, we come before you and we ask you to help us to walk in confidence in the freedom that you've already paid for. Help us to live as redeemed, cared for, and loved. Give us the strength to carry on when things get tough. Thank you for doing the work and paying the price for our salvation. Help me now to walk in into that assurance. Help us all to walk in that assurance. Every head bowed and right closed.
maybe those of you who are listening to this message, whether you're watching online or you're here in this room, and either you've never given your life to Jesus, or you have in the past that you've walked away. And you know in the depth of your heart that you need to rededicate your life. You know in the depth of your heart that you've gone the wrong direction. The gospel is truly good news for you today. The gospel truly is good news for me today. He is the one who can redeem your life, make you new again, and give you true and lasting freedom. He has promised that he will forgive all of your sins, everything that you have done. All you have to do is ask and receive him into your life. And you get a brand new start. With Christ by your side. Walking you through the things of life doesn't fix everything. But he walks you through life. And you go through a process of growth. If you've never surrendered your life this morning to Christ, today is your day. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. He's already paid the price. He's given his life for yours. You can be sure about your salvation this morning. All I have to do is say this simple prayer. You can say it in your heart. You can say it out loud. You can whisper it. How you do it doesn't matter as much as just meaning it in your heart. Lord, I believe you died for my sins so that I can be redeemed. So that I can live in freedom. I want to begin to walk in that freedom today. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose again. Forgive me of my sins. Today I give you my life. Make me new right now. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning, if you said that prayer, I want to encourage you to download a free app on your phone called YouVersion. Once you download and load that app, you'll search for devotional called First Steps for New Believers. And that gives you some first steps in your life to continue to grow. There's one thing to take this step, but there's another step that you need to take to continue to grow in your faith. I want to encourage you, if you're local, to stop by our services on Sundays at 10 a.m. Become a part of this church. I know that we'll love you and care for you. If you live far away and you're watching this online, I want to encourage you to find a church that's local, something that's close to you that you can get involved in your growth. Mass congregation this morning is prepared to leave this place. My encouragement, my charge to you, always seems to be a verb in action. Why? Because when you leave this place, we don't want to just leave this place and say that was a lot of good information. That was a lot of good stuff that Pastor John said. So I know in a few minutes you're probably losing most of it. But I go with a charge because I believe that when we leave this place, we can bring God's presence with us wherever that we go. I leave us off with a charge because I believe that as we continue to put our faith into action, that God begins to work and move. So this morning, this is my charge to you. Go, knowing that you are loved and out of God's love for you, he gave his only son. Go knowing that you are redeemed and that the price for your redemption has already been paid. Go, walking in freedom and sharing the good news of the gospel that has the power to set us free. Go, 
walking in confidence that he who has begun a new work in you will see it through your completion. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Yeah. <laughs>